0: Welcome back from spring break, everybody. It's good to see you. Uh, We're in the middle of a series uh, on Proverbs, and we have, uh, I asked last week, last week's I've been asking if you guys would show, like, give me a video on YouTube that would depict um, young people your age being, like, crazy idiots. And so somebody nominated a video last week, and so I had to, of course, like, make sure it was, like, appropriate and so on and uh then i had it queued up in the back but then someone messed that up not sure who that was so uh they're trying to find it at this moment i believe you guys find it you good to go it's the correct one right okay so you guys may have seen this already but watch and learn what up Alki? my name's justin You guys have already seen that, no, no never, seen that never you guys are not as cool as I thought you were. My assumption was like everyone's already seen this like a hundred times, and so here we go again but so so now that I've given you like a a great idea, I mean a horrible idea uh, so yes, if you need any evidence. My question is, I just want to know what that guy is going to be doing in 10 years from now. Like, what, what company will, be he, will he be CEO of, right? That's my big question. So, so if, you, if you need any evidence of, of, of young people being crazy idiots, that is exhibit A. Although, it is very funny. Hilarious. My sides hurt. I was laughing so hard. I was crying. Uh, So we're doing a series on Proverbs called uh, Wisdom for Idiots, and I'm including myself in that. So as always, we read what verse and what chapter, what chapter, what verse, first thing first. So I go to the next slide. Uh, This verse, I think, frames the entire book of Proverbs. So listen up. Uh, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So this whole thing has to go back to the fear of God. This goes back to... Have you submitted your life to Christ? Have you surrendered your life to Christ? And until that happens, then whatever Proverbs has to say about how you should live is not really going to matter unless you first have a fear and a trust in God. So it's got to start there. Then everything from that can, can work out. Everything from that can, can flow that, that direction. So, um, so today we're talking about uh, pride and conversely, humility. We're talking about pride and humility this morning. Now, before we begin, I have a really important announcement to make. I just love you, Jacob. I love you so much, man. So I've got one, I've got one thing I want to say, and it's this. I am the most humble person that I know. I am so humble that people often ask me, Dave, how are you so humble? How is it that you've attained this level in your life where you are so incredibly humble? Just how do you do it? In fact, I'm so humble, I think you guys should start clapping right now for how humble I am at this moment. And, and just, like, let's keep this going. Come on. Like, seriously. Right? That's, that's all you have to say. That's all you, you want to clap for? Is that? That's it? That's it? So, but here's the deal, though. Hum, Humility is one of these weird things. Uh, put my next quote up on the screen there. Uh, humility is one of these weird things. When you when you think you have arrived at humility, that is the moment where you cease to be humble, right? There is no other virtue that's like this. The moment that you think that you're humble, that's the moment where you, you cease to be humble, right? Uh, it's like you guys playing the game last year at Impact. Remember the game? Okay. So... Our students, did you guys invent this game last year? Is that how, when did this, how this come about? Everyone plays the game. So, so, so there was, just, just hang on. So there was a, a game last year at Impact where the game was, you can't think about the game. You can't talk about the game. That was the game. And if you think about the game or talk about the game, then you've lost the game. All right. So, that is why you see Facebook status updates from our students saying things like, I just lost the game because they thought about the game, all right? This is what humility is like. If you think about your humility, that is the moment where you lose, right? That's the moment where you, you lost the game, so to speak, and you are no longer humble in that moment, right? And so... Um, Today what we're going to do, we're going to to do something a little bit different today. We're going to uh, divide passages based on tables and have you guys look up those passages and do some work, and then we're going to talk about it in just a moment. So here's what we're going to do. Pay attention, people. All right, so we're going to do uh, uh, table one, two, and three. We kind of have a jagged curve here, so that's, that's like line one. You guys are going to look at Proverbs chapter 11, verse two. So this table over here, the far one over there. And the far one in the back. So Proverbs chapter 11, verse 2 is your passage. And then the next line here, so it kind of goes this direction, like to you guys, then back that way. You guys will take uh, chapter 11, verse 12. Chapter 11, verse 12. So look it up. And what you're going to be doing is you're going to be answering the first three questions at your tables. And write down your answers on the piece of paper at your table. So every table should have like a scribe, okay? And also, every table should have a spokesperson that's willing to talk about it uh, from your table as well. So, you guys have chapter 11, verse 12. Uh, You guys hear this line here. You guys have chapter 13, verse 10. 13, verse 10. And then you guys hear this way. You guys will have chapter 16, verses 18 to 19. Got it? Chapter 16, verses 18 to 19. And then the last line over here you guys will have, chapter 28, verse 26. 28, verse 26. Got it? Oh, if you have last week's paper, that's not good. That's not going to work. So come get the new sheet over here. Yeah, if you have like the Envy sheet, that's last week's. Why is this still up here? Someone throw this away from me, please. Sorry, Matt. <laughs> Matt's like, I'm not picking that up. So you're doing questions one through three. Okay, here's what we're going to do. I am going to do some, listen up, shh, shh, We'll do some interaction about the passage that you guys looked at. So the plan is, I'm going to ask you some questions about your passage, and I need like a person to shout out their answers from your table. So uh, like for example, so for the first group over here to my left, uh, I want to hear how you guys defined pride, all right? So, um, just one of the three tables, just kind of shout out, like, how you guys defined the sin of pride. Like, what words did you put to the sin of pride? Someone just tell me. Okay, thinking you're entitled to, th- to certain things. That's a great definition. Anybody else? How you would define the sin of pride? Okay, excellent. So, a greater view of your abilities than what, you're actually, what you actually have, right? So that's that's excellent. Uh, okay, so the next question I want to ask you about is: What did your um, what did your passage teach us about pride? Just someone from the th- three tables, like shout out an answer. What did your passage teach us about pride? pride what do you think? No, that not your table, Jacob. Their table over here. I'm still on the tables over here. Sorry, my bad. Yes, that's we're going sort of this direction. So. What did your verse tell us about pride? What did you write down? Yes. Okay, it brings shame and disgrace. Obviously, yes. Uh, what else? God does not approve. <laughs> excellent, excellent. So, so some of these sins that we're talking about, listen up. Some of the sins we're talking about, we might obviously say that pride is sinful, but I wanted you, want you, want you to put words to it because I know we always say that pride is sinful and pride is wrong, which is true. But I'm not sure how many of us really even know what we're talking about when we say the word pride or humility. And so um, what we'll do is I'll kind of talk about this verse for a moment. Then we'll move on to the next verse. At that point, Jacob, your table's turn will come to fruition. All right? So in a few moments. So let's talk about uh, chapter 11, verse 12 for a, a small uh, minute here. Um, does this passage say that disgrace, disgrace might follow pride? What does it say? Everyone can turn to chapter eleven, verse two. By the way, turn to chapter eleven, verse two. It says, "When pride comes, then comes disgrace." So, so think of this. Think of this like a parade, okay? Like a parade. First comes pride. And then comes Disgrace. Like, it, is, it follows after it, just like a parade. Like, when I was a kid, uh, I grew up in a really small rural town, and they had, like, a fireman's parade, like, Fourth of July weekend, right, just like here in Belton, and Temple. And so, um, we'd go to the parade every year, and I knew as a kid that first they'd have the ambulances go, then the fire trucks, because the fire trucks, those guys threw candy out of buckets, and they were awesome, Right? And so so I knew as a kid, like, first comes this, then comes this, okay? And so um, in the same sense here, like, this is kind of like what happens. Like, what follows logically from pride is this. It is disgrace, and there's no candy involved, okay? So what comes from pride, just after pride, comes disgrace. It's just the logical end to someone who's prideful. Now, listen to this. Someone who's prideful... Their their pride is their attempt to raise themselves up, to exalt themselves, to glory in themselves. And this verse says that that person gets the exact opposite of what they're looking for. They get disgrace. The person who is prideful and boastful, self-glorying, all about themselves, that person gets the exact opposite of what they're looking for, and it's disgrace. They get cut off at the knees. They get disgraced if there's someone who is prideful and arrogant. In the second half of the verse, it says, but with the humble is wisdom. What we see here is that humility and wisdom go hand in hand, just like a marriage. They're, They're sort of married together, humility and wisdom. Somebody can have all the street smarts in the world. Somebody can have crazy intellect. Somebody can have all of those kinds of things. But if they lack humility, guys, please stop. If they lack humility, they will not have wisdom. I read a book recently, uh, the opening intro of this book said that um, they did a survey of Fortune 500 companies and and asking the employees about the CEOs of the companies they work for. And what the survey said was, these men, yeah, they were driven, they were goal-oriented, but the number one thing that the employees said about their leader was that they were humble. I mean, that's not, you don't associate humility with guys that are like CEOs of large companies, do we? But the reality is what makes a company work and what makes life work better is that the people who are leading things have a humility about them. And so what this thing discovered was that even some of the largest companies in the world The leaders very often are these really humble dudes and women that just want to learn, want to take advice. They want to gain wisdom from other people. That is what what makes them who they are as a CEO of a company. So you can be smart, intellectual, all those things, but if you lack wisdom, then you're going to lack humility. They they, they go hand in hand. Go to the next slide, please. Uh, The person who knows everything doesn't know anything. We covered this a few weeks ago. The person, who doesn't, the person who knows everything doesn't know anything. So the person who knows everything about math or science or whatever the, the field is, they can know everything about that. But if they don't have humility in the midst of that, they don't know anything. And in the converse of that, go to the next slide. The person who doesn't know everything knows the most important thing. So the person who walks in and says, I want to take advice, I want to learn, I want to grow, I want to be humble, that is the person who knows the most important thing, which is that they don't know everything, and they're willing to learn. They're willing to humble themselves and learn and grow from other people. So the question I want to ask you today is, how do you know if you're someone who is prideful? The question is, are you teachable? Do you take advice from people? Can, can someone teach you things about life and how to follow Christ? The next verse we looked at was chapter 11, verse 12. So now it's y'all's turn to talk about this little curving line that I've drawn here. Uh, so chapter 11, verse 12. So how did you guys define pride at your tables? Someone just shout out an answer. Arrogance. I like straight to the point. What's that? Thinking you're better than other people in any aspect of life. Okay, how else did you define it? Other words, that's a pretty good definition, I would say. So how would you, how would you say that your what your verse what did your verse say about uh, pride? Okay, so we're looking at chapter eleven, verse twelve, and it says, "Whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense, but a man of understanding remains silent." What? What does it teach us about humility? How would he answer that question? I hear crickets. Okay, humble people keep quiet. So all the ones that were being quiet were really, really humble just now. What's that? Okay. They're reflective. They listen. Just like my wife. She's a counselor. She's great at that. I will attest to that. You're so humble too, you know. Uh, She really is. She really is. Yeah, you're not humble. Uh, So what we see in this passage, in chapter 11, verse 12, here's a question for you. How do you talk to people? How do you converse with people? I think this very much applies to where you're at, because if there's any belittling going on, it's going to happen at your age, correct? In high school is where you see, it's like that whole thing just blows up in high school, in junior high, correct? If you have a chance to get an edge on someone else, it's going to happen. It's going to come out when you're at the age that you're at right now. And so how do you converse with people? How do you talk to people? How do you treat them with what you say? Are you the kind of person that walks into a room mouth first? Know what I'm talking about? Like you're just blah, 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 blah all the time. Like people just go, yep, he's, I hear him before I see him. I hear her before I see her, right? Like you just... (laughs) Everyone's like pointing at people like So But do you walk into a room mouth first Do you run your mouth Listen up, listen up Running your mouth right now people Uh, Do you run your mouth all the time Do you just run your mouth Belittle people uh, Derogatory towards them How do you talk with people You know in in your circle of friends um, Your ability to put someone else down Or to be quick witted Is a virtue People see it as a virtue, how, how quick-witted you can be, what you can say, um, how fast you can be with your tongue. And so it's not cool to keep your mouth shut at your age. But it says here the person who is humble is often silent and, and doesn't respond and doesn't speak. Look at the next passage, chapter 13, verse 10. It says, by insolence, I love that word, insolence. By insolence comes nothing but strife, but with those who take advice is wisdom. So how would your tables here, these three here, that go this direction, how did you guys define pride, first of all? Yes. Okay, thinking you're better than someone else or everyone else. Yes, excellent. Uh, how else would you define it? Yes. Don't take instruction or counsel. Another excellent. are seeing a common theme here. So, um, what would your passage teach us about pride and humility? Yes. Okay, being ignorant of someone else's advice is a sign of pride. Uh, yes. And uh, and what about humility? How would you say it? It teaches us about humility. Okay, you're, you're continually searching. So that's a great way of, of saying it. That you, It's like you never arrive, right? You never reach the age of like, now I know everything, right? Uh, yes? What were you guys going to say over here? Thinking of others is higher than yourself, okay? That's another way of, of putting it. So here's the questions I want to ask you. What are your relationships like? Yo. Wait, which one are you talking about? I was talking about. <laughs> We're on verse uh, chapter thirteen, verse ten. Oh, which number? Oh, I was asking what does it teach us about pride and humility. <laughs> number two. Okay. Yes. All right, You've got to follow advice to be humble. We see a common, we see a common theme here. And leave him alone. He's, he's you know, leave him alone. Yeah. So here's, so here's the question I want to ask you. Listen up. Here's the question I want to ask you. What are your relationships like? Does your life leave a trail of conflict behind it? Pride always leads to conflict in relationships. I always love when people say things like, yeah, for some reason, people just don't like me. And I'm going, I'm not a mathematician, but you're the comma denominator in that equation, if I'm not mistaken, right? So, if you're always having conflict with people, listen, if there's a trail of conflict throughout your life, there's a really good chance that you can point at yourself and say, I'm a really prideful prideful person. This verse also says that um, those who take advice is wisdom. The humble person, they want advice. They seek after advice. Uh, When they're 86 years old, they're still asking questions like, hey, I need some wisdom in this part of my life. What do you think uh, the Bible says about this? What do you think God would say about this? What do you think about this situation? They are people who constantly, continuously understand that they don't know everything. And there's just something, I'm not trying to be harsh this morning, but there's just something in the the mind of people that are your age, and I'm still kind of there a little bit. I'm 35, but I still struggle with this immensely, okay? And I put myself back in your shoes, and I just know that when you're at your age, you think you know everything about everything. That's just where you're at. Let's just call it what it is. But what I've learned is that as I've gotten older, I've realized how little I know about anything. Because when life just kind of hits you in the face sometimes, it's when you go, yeah, I don't know Jack. I don't know anything. And so what you should do is in humility surround yourself with people that you respect and trust and that love and care for you and ask them, say, hey, you know, If if you're in high school at your age, um, I'm thinking about uh, getting into a relationship with this person. Like, what do you think about that? I mean, go seek out those people and respect them when they tell you no and say, no, you're not ready for that. Okay, I I just wanted to see your opinion on how much of an idiot you think I am, right? And so you've got to seek people out in these areas. If you don't, you're going to be like the person that's being described here, the person of pride. Next passage, we, we on board here. Next passage. Uh, Chapter 16, verses uh, 18 to 19. And that would be what? You guys over here, right? This line right here, okay? So uh, how would you guys define pride? I know it sounds like we're repeating ourselves. How would you guys define pride at your tables? How do you define it? Nobody else matters. Excellent. What else? Believing only in yourself, okay? So what do... Your passages tell us about pride and humility, verses 18 to 19 of chapter 16. I'll go ahead and read it to you so they know what we're talking about. It says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. It is better to be of a lowly spirit with the poor than to divide the spoil with the proud. So what does that show us about pride and humility? What would you come up with? Bueller? Bueller? Okay. So, boasting in your pride, what else did you discover here in these passages? Okay, destruction and falling are inevitable when there's pride. Okay? What about humility? What's it show us about humility? To be modest? What else? There's a quiet table in the back. They don't want to say anything. They're like, if we, just, if we just look down at our tables, he won't notice us. Just pull your toboggan over your head and just be quiet. What would you guys say about humility back there in the back? Humility, what what it say about humility? Speak up. Okay, it's not arrogant, you're not thinking about yourself. I know it's easy to like just repeat what the verse said, you know, um, but I'm also wanting you guys to kind of think about uh, what it said to you personally as you read these passages. So this verse, this passage, I love this passage, it's so profound. Uh, what God, I think, is trying to show us, is that, listen up, plan A is humility. Plan A is that you humble yourself, you submit your life to Christ, you surrender to Jesus, and you live out your life that way in humility. That's plan A. Plan B is humiliation. Plan B is if you don't humbly submit yourself to God in the fear of God and humbly live out your relationships, that's plan A. Plan B is humiliation. Every single person, listen to me, every single person on the face of the earth will be brought down in one of two ways, either repentance or ruin. Either you will submit your life to Christ and surrender your life to him, or you'll be brought down in disgrace. You'll be humiliated because God is trying to show you and everyone else that the road and the path that you're on leads to destruction. And so he's got to be true to his word. He's got to be just. He's got to carry out his wrath, as it were, on the wrongdoer to show you and everybody else that, hey, this is not the way that you go. This is not the way that you go. You know, this verse also kind of flies in the face, I think, of our culture because in our culture we have a hard time believing that there is someone that God would actually oppose. We have a hard time believing that God actually is against certain people. We have a hard time believing that God is anything except like just a warm, fuzzy, loving Jesus. We forget that he is also justice. He is judgment. He is wrathful towards sin. And this verse proves that out. This verse shows us that every single person on the face of the earth will be brought down in one of two ways, repentance or ruin. Plan A is humility. Plan B is utter humiliation. Next passage that we're looking at, the last one, is is chapter 28, verse 26. And it says, whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. So just last uh, set of tables over here. What did you guys come up with for what this passage shows us about pride and humility? How would you? decipher all that how would you how would you say that verse twenty six of chapter twenty eight just someone shout out something what's that jeez what's that I'm sorry I can't hear you it's the opposite of humility yes anything else everyone's like Jesus okay self-centeredness yes um, so what this verse tells us what this verse tells us is that the person who is prideful they're seeking deliverance in themselves their self-righteousness their works they're putting it all on themselves the person who is humble seeks deliverance in another way they seek it in wisdom everybody is seeking for deliverance everybody is seeking for some kind of salvation not in the Jesus Christ sense but everyone is looking for something to save them. And this verse says that the person who's humble. They search for it in the right place, which is fear of God, and they'll be delivered. So here's my definition for you of pride. Based on what you guys have said, it, it's pretty, uh, it, it fits this. Uh, go to the next slide, please. Definition for pride is the suspense is killing all of us. Drum roll, please. The, okay, there we go. All right, so the definition for pride is an inflated view of oneself. Someone said it earlier, they said, thinking that you're a lot better than you really are at certain things. It's a great way of putting it. So if you picture like a little, I don't know, like a little beach ball, like all just kind of like crumpled up and not inflated, right? And that's really what most of us are, right? We're just kind of sad. We're just kind of crumpled up. And, but when someone starts getting prideful, that thing gets inflated, right? It starts to get blown up with a bunch of hot air. And that's exactly what many of us are like, right? Many of us just have this idea that we are like so much bigger than we really are. We, we, we think that we are the be-all, end-all. And this is a perfect definition of pride, an inflated view of yourself. Uh, C.S. Lewis said this about pride. He said, go to the next slide. He said, pride gets no pleasure out of having something, only out of having more of it than the next man. So with pride comes this comparison game. With pride comes this comparison that we all play into, right? And so many of you, I think, walk into this room on Sunday morning, and it's like you, you feel like you're on trial, you feel like every day of your life is like a trial. How funny can you be? How pretty can you be? How muscular can you be? How good can you be at sports? How great can you be in the classroom? And every single day, look at me, look at me. Every single day for many of you is like a trial. And you feel like the jury is your peers. And they're judging you. And they're making decisions on whether or not you are good enough in, in life in certain areas, and you feel like, some days you feel like you're victorious, some days you feel like you totally failed miserably, whatever the, the case may be. And I want you to think about this for a moment. In our culture, people talk about self-esteem all the time. They talk about how, yeah, he's got a low self-esteem. She's got a high self-esteem. She's got a low self-esteem. I literally hate self-esteem talk, and I'll tell you Why? Because self-esteem is just another way of saying pride. Self-esteem is another way of just relabeling the sin of pride and and calling it good, right? There was a guy that um, I was the youth pastor of when I was an intern at a church a long time ago, and he was uh, this guy named Joe. He was in high school, and his parents went to our church, and they were, at least on the surface, like a a godly family, I guess. But the son, Joe, was just totally just jacked up in so many different ways. And so he... About his freshman year of high school, they decided, you know, he's got kind of a low self-esteem, so let's get him into wrestling. That'll fix his self-esteem. And so he starts working out, taking creatine supplements, and he's getting just real jacked up with his muscles and stuff, and he was just working all the time. The kid became, like, one of the best wrestlers in the state. I mean, self-esteem, like, went through the roof. I mean, he started getting, like, lots and lots of girls sort of having sex with lots and lots of girls. And his self-esteem was, was great, right? Through the roof. He thought highly of himself now. But what the parents failed to realize is that if, if the kid doesn't esteem Christ and self move into the background, then self-esteem is a big sham. Self-esteem is a big lie. They're just relabeling it something else and calling it a virtue, and they call it self-esteem. And so I, I hate the idea of self-esteem and making that a virtue because it's really relabeling pride. And here's the deal. The person that, that has, we say, a low self-esteem, that person is still in that trial that we talked about. They're still in the game. They're just on the losing end. And their, their whole mission in life is to try to get back into the game and try to make themselves better so they can, quote, win like everybody else. And it's just playing the exact same game. And so what I want to do really quick is just list out for you three just major ways that I think we kill pride while at the same time cultivating humility. Let's go really quick so we can finish with discussion at the end here. But the first one is this. And this is assuming you've already uh, Turn to Christ and submit your life to him. So the first one is this. Begin each day expressing thanks. Each morning when I, when I try to go on a prayer walk, I try to start off by just thanking God for things in my life because um, I have to remind myself that I don't have these things because of me. They're by his grace. They're by his grace. That's a humbling thought. That's a humbling thought. The second thing is this. Intentionally transfer glory to God. So when someone gives you a compliment out of encouragement, what file does it go in in your brain? Does it go in the me file, right? If you think of your brain kind of like a computer, does it go in the me file and does it puff you up? Like when someone says, hey, great job today and whatever that you did, does it go in the me file and you're like, that's right? Like inside you're thinking, that's right, I was a good job, wasn't it? Or does it go in the, the God file, so to speak, to where you go? No, that, that glory goes to him. That glory is his. I'm not saying to be, like, really cheesy about this. Like when someone says, hey, great job today in your performance. And you're like, well, all glory goes to God. And you're just like spat it off. I'm not, I'm not saying that. You can say just thank you. You can say thank you. That's fine. But mentally, in your own heart, your own mind, where does that statement go? Does it go to him or does it go to you? And then lastly, reflect on Jesus and the cross. Reflect on Jesus and the cross. Many of you guys see life as a continual trial. Like you feel like you're on trial all the time. Now here's something for you to know. Tim Keller, an author that I read a lot, said this. He said, we can get out of the courtroom because Jesus went in to the courtroom for you and I. Jesus went into the courtroom for you and I so we can get out of the trial ourselves because the verdict for Christians is already in, and the verdict is this. You are fully approved. You are fully justified, fully righteous, standing before God because of your place in Jesus Christ. So do you rest in that truth knowing that that verdict is taken care of? Believers have been declared righteous. He justifies us. We don't justify ourselves. Someone else said this. How can anyone be arrogant when they stand next to the cross? The footing is equal at the base of the cross. If there's anything that can humble you and I, it's when we reflect on the blood that was spilled at the cross because every single one of us are responsible for that blood. And so if you think of yourself as being greater than you should, you reflect on Jesus. And as atoning death on the cross for you, that will bring you into the proper perspective of who you are and who you are not. Go ahead and finish out with your last few questions at your tables, and you guys can pray at your tables when you're finished. Go ahead and discuss